0: Hi, My name is Nikki. My name is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Bed Crime Stories, Stories, a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night.
1: Hi, everybody. Happy September. It is September. And yeah,
0: you'll probably, it'll probably still be September when you guys are hearing this. Yeah. Probably the Mm -hmm. last week in September. Yeah. Per chance. Happy October. (laughs) And then happy almost October
1: spooky season Spooky, spooky. Season. Well, my spooky season started at like the end of august i've already put my halloween decorations up at work
0: yeah i'm not and i know this is like super unpopular for a person who's a true crime person but i don't like halloween I'm not a halloween person i've never really been a halloween person
1: i like cute halloween like kitschy halloween kind of stuff
0: yeah i don't like scary yeah stuff like I love fall fall my, fall is my thing like mm-hmm. I love fall I love like pumpkin picking and fall shit and leaves but like <laughs> honestly like to me fall is just like fall equals Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday <sighs> oh Halloween's my favorite Thanksgiving's the bell Sorry. turkey and pie um all right well let's get things started this week with some true crime headlines and Nikki is going to kick us off mm-hmm. all right all right
1: all right so my very first one comes from people.com mm-hmm. and it was posted on september 8th 2021 and it says incredible texas mom killed 10 year old son critically wounded by driver allegedly fleeing police mm. so it says the text it's fucking sad it is very sad it says a texas mother was killed and her son was critically injured after they were hit by a driver allegedly running a red light while attempting to flee from police that's so freaking sad it's like a fear It says on monday afternoon carla rico um 28 was driving through garland with her 10 year old son when her car was struck by another vehicle driven by 37 year old bobby lee murphy mm. so
0: and i'm sure he's fine
1: Says so moments earlier, Murphy had been pulled over for a traffic violation, during which time officers allegedly noticed evidence of drugs inside the vehicle. Before they could investigate further, Murphy allegedly sped off with two passengers inside. I hope it was worth it, bruh. In an apparent attempt to invade uh, police, or sorry, invade officers, um, Murphy allegedly ran a red light, striking Rico and a second car, a Honda CRV, which stopped at the red light in the southbound lane. That's It's awful. It says he and the two other occupants of his car were transported to an area hospital, according to police. And it says the driver of the CRV suffered minor injuries and was released at the scene. Dang. I'm sad. People suck. People suck. So that is my first story. And then my second story is from Oxygen.com. It was posted September 7th, 2021. Family friend arrested after body of missing Florida mother found in Canal. Geeshk. So it says Perrin Darman was reported missing after she failed to pick up her two-year-old from the child's father. It says a Florida man um, has been arrested this week after the body of a young mother was discovered days after she disappeared. It says Eric William Westergaard, 45, was charged with the premeditated murder of Perrin, according to a statement by the Martin County Sheriff's Office. It says, um, arrest came just hours after authorities announced that they had found her body. Jeez. So, she was only 23 years old.
0: So, she was the mother of his child, and because of, so she didn't drop him off? Or, Mm -mm. no, that's, they knew she was missing because she didn't drop off her child. She didn't pick up her son. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, so
1: that's how they, they, that's when she was reported missing. It says, um, she was scheduled to meet up with a friend on Saturday, but didn't show up. Mm -hmm. Her family said that was very unlike her, and her vehicle was accounted for. Mm. so wow Mm -hmm. that's awful yeah well
0: that's terrible
1: sorry i was like trying to like read ahead to see if there was anything else but i mean i think it
0: because it was just posted yeah uh,
1: you know yeah
0: wow well very sad very sad two very sad ones um the first one that you you talked about with the running the red light and running into that person that actually a, a acquaintance of mine her mother-in-law just got into a car accident same circumstance she was at a le- and somebody ran the red light and t-boned her and i flipped her car thankfully she's okay because the woman is like in her 70s and thankfully she's okay. okay but
1: i've had almost so many close calls of people mm-hmm. running red lights that now it's just out of habit that i don't go as soon as the light turns right i like look almost like a stop sign i look this way i look that way and then i look the other way again and then i'll go Mm -hmm. because i'm like i just don't trust people i
0: don't trust anybody either yeah i've just agreed
1: yeah people are people don't pay attention also when they're driving either or they think that they can always make the light and they can't and yeah yeah it's just
0: scary stuff
1: Very sad. It's just
0: like whenever you get behind the wheel of a car, you're putting your life in the hands of absolutely everybody else on the road. And it's just like a frightening thought, you know?
1: Because I'm always like, I'm not scared of my own driving. Right. Scared of everybody else's driving. Yeah, exactly. So. (sighs)
0: All right. Fun, fun, fun. Well. All right. Well. 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 I was like, we both said
1: that at the same time. So, Charlie has a story
0: (laughs) for us this week. I do. I do. I do. So, this week's bed crime story is a heavy hitter oh no um so we got a heavy hitter this week a uh, good old-fashioned serial killer um so this particular story was recommended to us by one of our listeners named eddie eddie from the uk Hey hey. so hey, hey hey eddie um and eddie also i will also give a little bit of credit for the request to eddie's dog robin because robin is the most handsome boy and oh. such a good boy Um, and Eddie recently, uh, told us that Robin went through treatment had surgery for cancer and Robin is now cancer free.
2: Yay! So, yeah, so this
0: is my, this is my gift to Robin and to Eddie, um, to tell this story. So, um, he laughed because the two of them share a first name and actually their last names are somewhat similar too. So, uh, he's, you know. He, he, he finds joy in that. So, uh, this week, I am going to tell the story of the co-ed killer, Ed Kemper. Ooh. Ooh. Ed Kemper. Okay. So, my sources this week are Wikipedia, um, Biography.com, and Psychology Today. Ooh. Oh, that's a new one. I was yeah. to say. So they Damn. had, like, a whole profile on him, which was very interesting. Hmm. So, Edmund Amel Kemper the third. Was born on December 18th, 1948 in Burbank, California. Ed Kemper is best known for his large stature. He was, or he's (laughs) 6'9".
1: Yeah, he's
0: quite large man. And for his IQ. Um, his most recent IQ test clocks in at 145, which is genius level in the 99th percentile of the population. Yeah. So brilliant, brilliant, large, scary man.
1: (laughs) I've never heard anything about him. Mm -hmm. So is he still alive? He is. Oh, okay. He is indeed.
0: Um, Yeah. So from a young age, Ed displayed troubling behavior, which went hand in hand with his very troubling upbringing. So Ed was very close with his father, whose name was also Edmund. uh, Edmund Kemper, the junior, the junior, the junior. (laughs) Um, He was very close with his father. Um, And when his parents separated in 1957, he wound up moving to Montana with his mother and his mother was domineering. She was abusive. Um, Her first name was Clarnell. Clarnell. Yes. Um, She abused alcohol um, and she really, Belittled and ridiculed Ed from a very young age, so she made fun of his his size. She would picked on him constantly. Um, I I assume we can, you know, I can assume that he reminded her of her ex husband, Um, uh, and I think that that's kind of a common theme with these very abusive mothers Mm -hmm. um so she would actually lock him in the basement and force him to sleep down there in the basement alone because she was afraid that he would hurt her and or his sister so he had two sisters one older than him and one younger than him um at the age of 10 he buried the family cat alive (gasps) yeah not great and at the age of yeah and at the age of 13 he killed another family cat because he believed that the cat preferred his younger sister over him yeah. And after he killed the cat at 13, he kept pieces of it in his closet until his mother found him. Yeah, No! Yes. And then his mother found the pieces of the cat and, and he got punished. So I, I would hope, but yes. I mean, yeah. damn. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He would remove the heads and hands of his sister's dolls. I mean, I feel like that's... Mm. No. Mm. Heads... Well, on yeah, Barbie when, dolls? It, yes, but if you take that and combine it with the murdering, well, of yeah, cats, I mean, I mean. Uh- I, I was trying. I was trying to give him one for the you know <laughs> give him normal. some of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, um, the cat killings on a different level. Yeah, the cat killings definitely on a, a, a different level. So he also stated in later interviews after his arrest that some of his favorite games to play with his sisters were gas chamber and electric chair. Fuck. So he would ask his younger sister to tie him up in a chair and then flip a switch. I'm using finger quotes here, guys. Flip a switch, and he would then mimic that he was either being electrocuted or gassed to death and he was being executed. That was like his like fantasy play as a child.
2: So did he get off on that?
0: I don't know if he got off on that or if it was just kind of like a like he thought like, it was a That's a, a weird thud, whimsical game. It doesn't it doesn't ever indicate I that mean, he it's got definitely like, not like pleasure from it.
1: Lava's I mean the the floor is
0: lava. I mean know? it's a far like, cry from red light green light. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Mother, may I go to the gas chamber? <laughs> <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, pretty freaky freaky stuff. So by the age of fifteen, Ed was already six four. Oh my gosh. And his size was the source of his mother's fear, but also the source of her mockery, like I said earlier. Why would you mock someone that, that is that that <laughs> be, that you're scared? You're of? You're already scared of him, so let's go ahead and make fun of him. That yeah. Like that's like sense. poking a bear for a literal bear cuz he was 64. Yeah. Um she refused to show him any affection for fear that it would quote turn him gay. She also that's not told how him that works. She also told him that he reminded her of his father and that or reminded her of his father. he reminded her of his father. Yes, that's all correct. I just kept saying it the right way three different times thinking I was saying it wrong. And I gotcha. she also told him that no woman would ever love him. So Yeah. Uh, Ed would later describe his mother as a sick, angry woman, which I think is kind of an understatement.
1: I mean, I I kind of agree with him.
0: Yeah. So Ed winds up running away from home when he was 14 to attempt to live with his father, who was at the time residing in Van Nuys, California. When he arrived at his father's house, he learned that his dad not only remarried, he was also his New wife had a son, so his dad had a stepson. So Ed winds up staying with his dad for at least a short while until his father sends him to live with his paternal grandparents up in North Fork, California. So they lived on this huge ranch with lots of animals and all that stuff, but he absolutely hated living there with his grandparents. He said that his grandfather was senile and that his grandmother was constantly emasculating him and his grandfather. On August 27th, 1964, when Ed was 15, he and his grandmother were sitting at the kitchen table and they began to argue. Ed got so angry that he leaves the kitchen and he goes to get the hunting rifle that his grandfather had got him as a gift. He returned back to the kitchen, shoots his grandmother once in the head and (gasps) twice in the back. Um, And some sources even say that she suffered postmortem stab wounds. So shot her three times. And then possibly continued to stab her dead body. What the f- It gets worse.
2: So maybe he was taking out the way his mother treated him as well on the grandmother oh. since it was very similar.
0: That is a consistent pattern for good old Eddie Kemper. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Um, when his grandfather returned from the store, his, da- his grandfather was out at the store when this happened. And when his grandfather comes back, Ed went outside and shot him in the driveway right next to his car- um because he he claims that he didn't want his grandfather to suffer seeing his wife dead in the kitchen so he killed him instead which okay so he starts to panic he doesn't know what he's going to do and he picks up the phone and he calls his mother what and the fuck i know so she tells him to call the police so he does and he wa- he winds up just sitting there waiting at the house for them to arrive and take him into custody oh Mm -hmm. after his arrest ed said that he quote just wanted to see what it felt like to kill grandma um and testified that he killed his grandfather so he would not have to find out that his wife was dead which okay um and also that he would be angry with ed for what he had done so ed winds up getting diagnosed by the psychiatrists um as a paranoid schizophrenic And he was sent to Atascadero State Hospital, a maximum security facility that housed mental ill convicts. So at Atascadero, youth psychiatrists and social workers working with Ed disagreed with the diagnosis. They claimed that he did not show any of the telltale signs of suffering from schizophrenia. So he was re-diagnosed, however, but with a less severe condition, a personality trait disturbance, passive aggressive type. So the psychiatrist and staff at Atascadero really took to Ed. He was very charming and he wound up uh, and of course very smart. So he kind of buddied up with the staff there and he was trained to assist in administering the psycho the psychological tests to the other inmates. After he winds up getting arrested later on in his life, he said that being able to understand how the tests functioned allowed him to manipulate his psychiatrists. Um, And he also admitted that he learned a lot from the sex offenders that were incarcerated there with him. And they told him that to avoid leaving witnesses, it was best to kill a woman after raping her. What? So, you know. Wow. Yes. So, Ed was released from a Tescadero on December 18th, 1969, his 21st birthday. He was on parole. Against the recommendation of his psychiatrist, he was released into the care of his mother. Um, At this point, his mother had moved back to California. So he went to go move in with her. um, And he was, she was in the, in the Santa Cruz areas where she was living. So he moved into, um, into her apartment with her. After additional screening with psychiatrists, again, like we just mentioned, he was able to really kind of manipulate the system. They believed Ed to be fully rehabilitated. And with their stamp of approval, his juvenile record was completely permanently expunged. Yes. Yep. Wow yep so ed begins to attend community college bro he worked the system uh legit yes so he begins to attend community college he worked a variety of jobs and eventually he finds employment with the department of transportation in 1971 he really wanted to become a cop though he like this was his dream was to be become a police officer but he actually exceeded the maximum height requirement at (gasps) six foot nine so they rejected him from what the fuck is the height requirement Who knows? Like, like Do they not not make pants big enough? That's what I'm just
1: thinking. It's like telling someone they can't work at Disney because they're too tall. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, you have to be 5'4 and below. Exactly. So because he was 6'9, he was rejected. And he was also like a big dude too. But like it was primarily because of his height. I mean, it's good that he's not a cop, but... Yeah, yeah. So, he... But because... Even though he got rejected from the police academy, he does become quite friendly with the Santa Cruz police officers because of his attempt to join the force. So, like, because they saw him, he got to know them. And he begins to frequent a bar called The Jury Room, which was a popular hangout for the local law enforcement officers. That sounds so... I know right The jury room The jury room Um, And everybody knew him as Big Ed Or Big Eddie That's what they all uh, started to call him so Ed and his mother's contentious relationship continued. Obviously that's not gonna change uh, after their past. Uh, they would argue loud enough that the neighbors would overhear. Uh, they would argue about the simplest things. Anything would set off an argument between the two of them. So when Ed saves enough money, he moves in with a friend in Alameda, California, but he never really escapes his mother. She would consistently call him and she would just like show up at the apartment with that he lived in with his friend. So she's scared of him. But she wants
1: him to live with her yes. after he's killed both of his grandparents oh, yeah. and he's been in a psych,
0: like this hospital. Yeah. It's just like that. Makes sense. It's that, um, co, what's the word I'm looking for? Codependent. Codependent, like psychosis of like, I hate this person, but like I can't, like, you I can't live without I thrive them. on the hate, basically. Um... Ed experienced money troubles. So he would kind of like frequently return to live with his mom and then move back out again, and then go back with his mom and then move back out again. The same year he began working for the Department of Transportation, like I said, was back in 1971. Ed was hit by a car while he was out on his motorcycle. So his arm was injured, and he did receive a settlement of $15,000 in the civil suit against the car's driver. So, with the settlement money, he buys a 1969 Ford Galaxy, which looks a lot like a police cruiser. <gasps> So, as he's driving around in his brand, well, not brand new, but his couple of years old Ford Galaxy, he notices that a lot of, there's a lot of young women hitchhiking in the area. Oh, so, he God. starts to store in his car plastic bags, knives, blankets, and handcuffs. You know, innocent shit, you know? Jovi just breathes so hard. <laughs> yeah i'm surprised you didn't hear it exactly i was like uh yeah so he then he so then he starts to pick up women who are hitchhiking but he peacefully lets them go according to him he winds up picking up around 150 such hitchhikers without incident so it's almost as if he's trying to see how easy it's going to be to get people in the car with him like he's testing the waters to see how easily will people how much convincing am i gonna have to do to get people to get in the car with me then he starts to experience homicidal urges that he called little zappies and he began acting on them. Zappies. The little zappies. Yeah. <clears throat> on May 7th, 1972 I you'd never respond to that. Yeah, I know. On May 7th, 1972, Ed was driving in Berkeley, California when he picked up two two 18-year-old hitch, uh, hitchhikers, um, both students at Fresno State University, Marianne Pesky and Anita Lucchesa. I'm guessing it's Lucchesa. It's L-U-C-H-E-S-S-A. So what I know about the Italian language, C-H is a K, so Lucchesa. Um, With the cover of taking them to Stanford University. So they were hitchhiking to get to Stanford University from Fresno State. So after driving for about an hour, he reaches this wooded area near Alameda, California, and he knows about this wooded area because of his job with the Department of Transportation. So he's getting to know these back roads, Uh, these hidden roads, etc. Yeah. So he handcuffs Marianne and he locks Anita in the trunk of the car, stabs and strangles Marianne to death, and then winds up taking Anita out of the truck and killing her in the same way. He puts both women's bodies in the trunk of the galaxy and returns back to his apartment. Now, on his way back to his apartment, he gets stopped by a cop because he has a broken taillight. But the police officer did not detect that there was anything amiss or there was bodies in the trunk. Yeah. Well, he gets back to his apartment and his roommate isn't home. So this is one of those periods of time that he's not living with his mother. He gets back home. His roommate isn't home. So he takes the bodies into his apartment where he photographs and has sex with both of the women's naked bodies before dismembering them. He then puts the body parts into plastic bags, which he later discarded near Loma Prieta Mountain. But this is the horrible part. I mean, it's all fucking horrible. (laughs) Uh, so Here's cuz everything up until now has okay. been a real fucking treat. I was no. like I can't even function. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Like um but before disposing of Marianne and Anita's severed heads in a ravine, Ed used them to perform oral sex on himself.
1: So wait, he disposed of the bodies themselves in different location than the heads. Uh-huh.
0: What the fuck. In August of that year, Marianne's skull was found on Loma Prieta Mountain. An extensive, extensive search failed to turn up the rest of Marianne's remains or any sign of Anita. Yeah. On September 14th, 1972, Ed picked up a 15-year-old student named Aiko Koo, who had decided to hitchhike to a dance class after missing her bus. He again drove to a remote area where he pulled a gun on Aiko before accidentally locking himself out of his car. Well, she let him back inside, even though the gun was still in the car. Once back inside the car, he choked her until she was unconscious, raped her, and killed her. Yeah. So
1: wait, he pulled a gun on her, but Mm -hmm. then somehow got locked
0: outside of the car without the gun? Well, I think that they were both outside of the car. He threw her into the car, possibly threw the gun in as well, closed the door behind her, and the door locked. That's crazy. So, rapes her, he kills her, he places her body into the trunk of his car, and then goes to a nearby bar to have a few drinks. After that, he returns to his apartment, and back at his apartment, Ed has sex with the corpse. Then, dismembers and disposes of the remains in a similar manner uh, as Anita and Marianne.
1: What does this apartment look like? Is this like a like I'm envisioning like three story apartment? Like it can't be. Why? I don't know. But I'm like, how are you gonna carry a body up that? But I mean, I guess he is six nine. Well, so it's probably. Even,
0: I mean, he doesn't have to live on the third floor. It could be a. a
1: well, that's what I'm saying. Apartment. I'm like,
0: I'm like, what kind of apartment it is that that nobody would notice you carrying in? Yeah,
2: I was saying what. I wonder what time he was doing. Like, was it Well,
0: late it's late obviously night? late at night. Yeah, I mean, especially if he's going to the bar to have a few drinks first and going back to the apartment. It's yeah. probably dark out. Yeah. And
2: then that way, nobody would see
0: mm-hmm. him. hmm And when you're that large and you're carrying something, like, in a bag or, like, in a blanket, it's going to look small. Oh, yeah. So it's not going to look like you're carrying a body. And
2: especially if he's killing smaller women, too. Like, yeah. It's not... I mean, she was 15.
0: She it. was a 15-year-old dancer. She's probably teeny, teeny, tiny. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Sorry. I'm just thinking of, like... Yeah. I'm just trying to envision this and I don't know
0: why I'm envisioning him on the third floor. <laughs> on January 7th, 1973, Ed, who by this time had moved back in with his mother was driving around uh Cabarillo college campus when he picked up an 18 year old student named Cynthia Shaw. He drove to a wooded area with her fatally shot her with a 22 caliber pistol. He placed her body in the trunk of his car and drove to his mother's house where he kept her body hidden in a closet in his room overnight. When his mother left for work the next morning, he had intercourse with the body, uh, rem- and then removed the bullet from her body so that way it could prevent identification. What the fuck? Man's fucking brilliant. Uh, then he dismembers and decapitates her in her mother in his mother's bathtub. Ed kept. Cindy's severed head for several days, regularly performing oral sex with it, uh, before finally burying it in his mother's garden facing upward tor- toward her bedroom. After his arrest, he stated that he did this because his mother, quote, always wanted people to look up to her.
2: Holy My shit. god! I know. What, what the Ow.
1: fuck? I this know. man, I swear. Wow. I know.
2: Wow. And you know, I know. <laughs> honestly, when, you know, when we cover killers and serial killers and we talk about how smart they are and their IQ, it's like a waste. It's yeah. it's horrible. Lose
0: all use all that brain power for good and they could have probably right. cured cancer by now. Like, yeah. yeah.
2: But instead, they're using it to manipulate the system and murder women. Murder, well, murder, murder people. Murder people. Yeah. It's it's horrible. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute shame. Mhm. What the hell? Yeah. I've
1: I've also never heard this story at all, so I'm, like, fucking in
0: shock. Guess what? It doesn't get any better. Um, So he discards the rest of Cindy's remains by throwing them off of a cliff. A A pathologist determined that her body had been cut into pieces with a power saw. Yeah. On February 5th, 1973, so I know. On February 5th, 1973, after getting into a heated argument with his mother, Ed left the house in search of possible victims. With the suspicion of a serial killer preying on hitchhikers in the Santa Cruz area, uh, correct. Um, students were advised to only accept rides with cars with university parking <gasps> stickers on them. Well, Ed was able to get a parking sticker because at the time, his mother was working at the University of California in Santa Cruz. Wow. Yeah.
2: Convenient, huh?
0: Yeah. So he spots 23-year-old Rosalind Thorpe and 20-year-old Alice Lou on the, US, uh, the UCSC campus. According to Ed, Rosalind entered his car first and then reassured Alice it was okay to get in. He first fatally shot Rosalind and then Alice with his 22 caliber pistol, wrapped their bodies in blankets. Uh, Ed brought his victims back to his mother's house again. This time he beheaded them in the car and then carried the headless corpses into his mother's house to have sexual intercourse with them. He then dismembered the bodies, removed the bullets once again to prevent identification and discarded their remains the next morning. Some of the remains were found at Eden Canyon a week later and more were found near Highway 1 in March. When questioned in an interview as to why he decapitated his victims, he explained, are you ready for this? No. Okay. He's like, no, I'm not. Okay. Quote, the head trip fantasies were a bit like a trophy. You know, the head is where everything is at. The brain, eyes, mouth. That's the person. I remember being told as a kid, you cut off the head and the body dies. The body is nothing after the head is cut off. Well, that's not quite true. There's a lot left in a girl's body without the head. (laughs) Wow. He's gross. He's a gross. On April 20th, 1973, after coming home from a party, Ed's mother, 52-year-old Clarnell Strandberg, awakened him when she returned home. Uh, so he sat in his room, waited for her to fall asleep, snuck into her room, and bludgeoned her to death with a claw hammer and slit her throat with a pen knife.
1: I'm going to say I saw that coming.
0: Yeah. He then decapitated her and performed oral sex with her severed head. Stop. I will not stop.
1: Stop with because because his mother.
0: It's true. <laughs> yeah.
1: Ew. Oh my yeah. God.
0: Yep. Yep, yep, yep
1: no and you have so many more pages left to go <laughs> i can't take it
0: nikki's
2: gonna have uh, nightmares
1: tonight uh. i am i'm like this is why i have this is
0: why i have dogs so that they alert me yes ed stated that he then put her head on a shelf and screamed at it for an hour and threw darts at it He then said he smashed her face in. He also cut out her tongue and her larynx and put them in the garbage disposal. But the garbage disposal would not break down the tissue and it backed up into the sink. Quote, that seemed appropriate, he said, as much as she bitched and screamed and yelled at me after so many years. Ed placed his mother's corpse in a closet and then went to drink at a nearby bar. Upon his return, he invited his mother's best friend, 59-year-old Sarah, or she went by Sally, Sally Hallett, over to the house to have dinner and watch a movie. But when Sally arrived, Ed strangled her to death to try and establish a cover story that his mother and Sally went on vacation together. So he put Sally's corpse in a closet, hid any signs of disturbance, and left a note to the police that read, Approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday, no need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible, murderous butcher. It was quick, asleep, the way I wanted it. Not sloppy and incomplete, gents. Just a lack of time I got things to do.
2: Cocky much?
0: <sighs> okay. oh, I was like, what <clears
2: <dick?"> <clears
0: <throat> Yeah. So afterward, after he leaves this crazy note, Ed leaves the house and drives nonstop to Pueblo, Colorado, taking caffeine pills the whole way to stay awake Uh, for the over 1,000-mile drive.
1: Bro, that's not how you
0: do it. Yeah, seriously. None of this is how you do it. (laughs) But, I mean, that's not how you stay awake like that. Um, He had three guns and hundreds of rounds of ammunition in his car because he believed he was the target of an active manhunt. But after not hearing any news on the radio about the murders of his mother and Sally when he arrived in Pueblo, he found a phone booth and called police. He confessed to the murders of his mother and Sally. Now, the police refused to believe him initially, thinking that their friend, Big Ed, was just pulling a prank and could never do something like that. After several follow-up calls the disclosure and the disclosure of information that only the co-ed killer would know, Ed finally was able to convince police that he was the man they had been looking for the whole time. What the fuck, man? Yeah, yeah. He couldn't he, even let the cops, like, work try. on it. He just goes... <laughs> It was, it was me. me. It was me. Um, he was quickly arrested without incident and charged with eight murders in the first degree. When asked in a later interview why he turned himself in, Ed said, "Quote, the original purpose was gone. It wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end there, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing, and at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse, I just said to hell with it and called it all off." His spree spanned between May 1972 and April 1973, only 11 months.
2: I know. That's right, mom. I know. That's right. I was like, damn, yeah, so what is basically wrong?
0: even he was able to admit that like once he killed his mom, he it was done. Like all, all of that it was all was... that displaced anger for his mom all those years and then once he killed her, he was like, "Oh, okay, just take me to jail because there's no purpose anymore.
2: But here's my thing. Not that you should go kill your mom, <laughs> but why didn't he start with her? You know, like, you would think, like, the grandmother, I I don't, I mean, I don't get why he killed, but, like, right. I understand his thought process. The how,
0: familial connection. Yes, and yes, yes. They're also arguing she's also right. a mother figure.
2: So, after he killed his grandparents, Grandpa. why didn't he just skip killing all the people in between and go to Mama Dearest?
0: Mm-hmm. Saved a lot of people a lot of heartache. Legit. So, Kemper was indicted on eight counts of first-degree murder on May 7th, 1973. He was assigned the Chief Public Defender of Santa Cruz County, Attorney Jim Jackson. Due to Ed's explicit and detailed confession, the only option that the lawyer had was to plead not guilty by reason of insanity to the charges. So, because he had already confessed, the only way he would have been able to be found not guilty is if they were able to find him insane ed had tried twice to commit suicide while in custody but his trial did go ahead and start on october 23rd 1973 three different court appointed psychiatrists found ed to be legally sane one of the psychiatrists looked into his juvenile records yep and the diagnosis that he was once psychotic the psychiatrist also interviewed ed including under truth serum and relayed to the court that Ed admitted to have engaged in cannibalism, alleging that he sliced flesh from the legs of his victims, then cooked and consumed the strips of flesh in a casserole. Question, what is truth serum? Oh, so it's uh, sodium pentothal. Wow. Where the fuck was that in my brain? That it came right off the top of my head. Wait, what is that? That's truth serum. Sodium pentothal, it's a compound, yeah, and it actually... Causes you to tell the truth. It, truth serum is actually real. It's
1: real. Yeah. I thought it was just something from Harry Potter. Oh no. Let me be
0: honest. Yep. Nope. No. Nope. Holy what shit. Not. Know ju- I know. I don't know. I'm you scared yourself.
2: <laughs> I scared myself. And, like I googled it to make sure. Oh no, ladies and gents. She is one hundred percent
0: sodium pentothal. Right. Yeah. I don't I know. know why that just happened. You literally jumped. I scared myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know sometimes sometimes the brain is amazing because like you hear it right and it's stored in there somewhere among the wine and i don't know years of trauma and all of a sudden you know it just comes out (sighs) sodium pentothal (sighs) but yes no uh truth serum is real not just veritas serum from harry potter Hmm. Uh Yes. So he alleged victims casserole. Yes, got to do the casserole. So but even with that admission, it was determined that Ed was fully cognizant. In each case, he was fully aware of what he was doing and the difference between right and wrong, and stated that he enjoyed the prospect of the infamy associated with being labeled a murderer ed later recanted the confession of cannibalism so he later came forward and said that he didn't actually eat any flesh of the humans that he killed Ew. um on november 8th 1973 the six man six woman jury deliberated for five count or for five hours i'm sorry before de- uh, declaring that ed was sane and guilty on all counts he asked for the death penalty requesting death by torture but after, uh, but at the time, there was a moratorium placed on capital punishment by the Supreme Court of California. So he received seven years to life for each count, with those terms to be served concurrently. I feel
1: like him being in prison and not dead is probably more torture. For
0: correct, him. correct. Um, and he was sentenced to the California California medical facility uh, facility. I don't know why I said that so proper. Um, In the California medical facility, Ed was housed in the same prison block as other notorious criminals such as Herbert Mullen and Charles Manson. Ed showed a particular dislike for um, Herbert Mullen, who committed his murders around the same time and in the same area as Ed. Um, And with these murders going on at the same time and in the Santa Cruz area, it coined santa cruz as the uh murder capital of the world at the time because there were so many murders happening all at once um ed described mullen as quote just a cold-blooded killer killing everybody he saw for no good reason i mean sounds (laughs) Uh, familiar uh, pot kettle black uh ed manipulated and physically intimidated mullen he stated that he had a habit of singing and bothering people when somebody tried to watch tv so i threw water on him to shut him up then, when he was a good boy, I'd give him peanuts. Herbie liked peanuts. That was effective because pretty soon he asked for permission to sing. And that's called behavioral mod- or behavior modification treatment. So he like straight up Pavlov dog this guy. Yeah, legit. Uh, Ed was a prolific reader of audiobooks for the blind. A 1987 Los Angeles Times article stated that he was the coordinator of the prison's program and had personally spent over 5,000 hours narrating books with several hundred completed recordings to his name. Um, You can actually purchase some of the audio recordings of some of the books that he narrated. I don't no thanks no i feel like i'd end
1: up having nightmares knowing who it was
0: hearing that voice yeah like it would mm, haunt your dreams that's
1: that's who i definitely would not want to fall asleep to at night
0: correct he officially retired from this in 2015 after he experienced a stroke and was declared medically disabled ed received his first rules violation report in 2016 for failing to provide a urine sample but up until that point model prisoner
2: that's something
0: to be proud <laughs> right of. yeah that's a badge um while imprisoned ed participated in a number of interviews including a segment in the 1982 documentary the killing of america as well as an appearance in the 1984 documentary murder no apparent motive his interviews have contributed to the understanding of the mind of serial killers fbi profiler john douglas whoop poop described ed kemper as among the brightest prison inmates he had interviewed and capable of rare insight for a violent criminal ed is forthcoming about the nature of his crime so he's very honest about what he did and he stated that he participated in the interviews to save others like himself from killing Aww, you. <laughs> oh you oh shucks no. um <laughs> ed was portrayed by the six foot five actor cameron Britton in three episodes of the first season of the 2017 netflix television drama Mindhunter, um, which highlighted the interviews he did with John Douglas surrounding the FBI research of the criminally insane. The casting of this dude as Ed Kemper is the most, it's eerily accurate. They look exactly the fucking same and it's creepy, um, uh, but it's awesome. And Mindhunter was good at casting people that looked exactly like the Charles Manson guy was spot on, the BTK guy was spot on, the guy, uh, the Atlanta child murderer was spot on. So creepy. Uh, Ed Kemper is 72 years old and is still serving his sentence at the California Medical Facility. And that good. is the story of the co ed killer, Ed Kemper. Ooh. He grossed me out. Yeah. He's a. Uh, I don't a, like him. He's a gem. He is a gem.
1: No, no. Well, good job. Thanks. I was like, I was like hearing about people that I've never heard about, mm. especially yep. from you. From Thanks. You're, <laughs> you're welcome. Thanks.
0: Uh, so thank you again, Eddie, so much for suggesting Ed Kemper. Greatly appreciate it. Um, please give Robin hugs and kisses on the snoots for us. He's the most handsome boy
2: all the on the Here, I have a mm-hmm. picture pulled up
0: of him so you guys can look.
2: Oh, my oh, gosh. gosh. Okay. He's handsome And Boy. he's cancer-free. Yay! Our buddy. So,
0: um, anyway. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, you can find us on socials, Instagram and Twitter at Bed Crime Stories. You can email us, bedcrimestoriespod at gmail.com um obviously we take your requests and we listen to what you gotta say Mm -hmm. so write us say hi give us some suggestions of stories you would like to hear um if you have a specific person that you would like to tell your story jovi myself or nikki you can do that too say like i really want to hear nikki say this story um you can you can also make that request as well but yeah thank you guys so much for listening like subscribe rate review say hi send us pictures of your dogs because we like them they're cute and Mm -hmm. we love them all very much and again thank you guys so much for listening please be kind to one another in these crazy crazy times kindness is key um and again thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week but until then sweet Sweet dreams. dreams